All right, welcome to another episode of our podcast from Faith Baptist Church in Visalia, California. I am Pastor Eric, and I have Pastor Dan uh, with me today. We're going to continue our discussion on... We need our theme song here. Here we go. Our alter ego, A-L-T-A-R. Yes. Because we are talking about self-esteem and... uh, Oh, that's a very short clip there. Well, actually, it's like 30 seconds, but I think it must have been running in the background because that just all of a sudden died. Oh, well. (laughs) (laughs) We got the point across. (laughs) Yeah, so we've been talking about self-esteem, and in that song is appropriate because it talks about how we worship our ego. And, you know, it's it's our place of altar. We worship ourself. And that's the essence of this whole this whole concept of self-esteem, the, the world's view of self-esteem. It's a worship of self. And I think that's come through clear as we've talked about it so far. Would you say, Dan? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think so. The world clearly promotes the, the worship of self. And, you know, you don't have to look very far to see that in, no. in, our, in our culture, in, whether it's in, you know, movies or, or whatever. You know, I think of, you know, we've talked last time about Disney and just how Disney promotes so there's such a love of self. Yeah. You know, self becomes the highest, you know, the highest attainment is self-actualization that Disney is promoting with their kids. And I've got a little cheat sheet here. Mm. <laughs> I was thinking of the song, Let It Go. Oh, yes. You know, Let It Go. There's yeah. Some really interesting lines in there when you think about this whole self-esteem movement. I mean, you've got... Don't let them in. Don't let them see. Be the good girl. You always have to be concealed. Don't feel. Don't let them know. Well, now they know. <laughs> you know, you're fighting against what your parents have taught you. And you're saying that it doesn't matter what they taught me. I'm going to do what you're I gonna, You're going to be you. That's right. And, you know, goes, let it go. Let it go. Can't hold it back anymore. Let it go. Let it go. Turn away and slam the door. I don't care what they're going to say. Let the storm rage on. The cold never bothered me anyway. And then later on, it says says, it's time to see what I can do to test the limits and break through. No right, no wrong, no rules for me. I'm free. Let it go, let it go. I'm the one with the wind in the sky. Let it go, let it go. You'll never see me cry. Here I stand and here I'll stay. Let the storm rage on. And then it, it ends... It ends again, let it go, let it go, and I'll rise like the break of dawn. Let it go, let it go. That perfect girl is gone. Here I stand in the light of day. Let the storm rage on. The cold never bothered me anyway. But just such a, it articulates Hmm. such a great love of self that, you know, it's my feelings that count. Right. And the way I feel about me is exactly how I'm going to live. And I don't care what you've taught. I don't care what my parents have said. That's irrelevant. What's important is me. Right. And, and you know, that song, man, everybody was singing that song. Yeah. All was, the kids were. It was huge. And then it was, you know, there are all kinds of parodies coming off of it, too. Oh, you know, yeah. It's just one of those. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, clearly. You know, but clearly. But when you think about that. It's highly influential. Highly influential. Yeah. You know, and you think a lot of Christian parents were just letting their kids sing that song without even challenging what this thing is saying. Right. I remember talking with one of our youth recently, and I said that you know, that song was a gateway song 
into homosexuality and coming out. Well, yes, that's true, but that's not even really the essence of it. The essence of it is about self-actualization. Yeah. That's the real essence of it. Right. And, and, and yeah, homosexuality kind of comes out, you know, it, it comes out of self-actualization where you're saying, well, this is the way I feel, right. so this is the way I am. I don't right. care how I was raised. I don't care how I was born. This is This is who I am. You know, and hmm. so really this this song is kind of more about self-actualization when you break down break it down. But that self-actualization takes you in a lot of different directions because right. it's all about how you feel as a person. Yeah. It is self-actualization and self-esteem. They're they're you know, they're twins. Really, they're the same exaltation of self. You know, be all yes. that you can be, follow your heart, all that stuff. And is, don't let anybody tell you right, different. Right. Just, just let all that go and and, and be who you are. That's and, right. You know, it's just extreme narcissism, and it makes sense that you know, we look at our culture around us and and we see extreme selfishness everywhere. Yes. You know, they they've been spoon fed this. Mm-hmm. Yes. And we've talked about some of the history of that, but it's just become mainstream now in like Disney and, and others. And it's not just Disney. It's, no. it's all over the no, place. No, no, no. It's all over the place. It's yeah. the gospel of our, our of our age. Disney's easy to pick on because yeah. they're such a perpetuator of it in all their yeah. movies. You know, that's their that's their main goal is to get kids to reject the insight and wisdom of their parents for their own wisdom and to say you're wise. As a child, you're wise. You don't need your parents to instruct you you don't need their wisdom and instruction. You don't need you don't need the wisdom and instruction of the Bible. It's all about you and how you feel. Yeah. And that that that's their goal. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh it's extreme propaganda pushing a humanistic worldview. Yes. But it it it's a complete contradiction to, you know, what the Bible says about man, and I think that would be a good place for us to yeah. to go. As we discuss this, you know, biblical framework of self. What is the mm-hmm. biblical view of man? And what you find when you look at what the Bible says is it's completely the opposite of, you know, that that song "Let It Go." And it is of of the self esteem movement, which is the humanists, human humanistic at its core. Yes, it is all about self. When the Bible is all about God. Yes. It is. It's all about him. And that's the starting place of the scripture. I mean, what Genesis 1-1, in the beginning, God mm-hmm. created the heavens and the earth. You know, when we when, when you go out, when you share the gospel, we've got those those tracks <clears throat> that we, we hand out, and they just walk through the gospel. But it begins with that statement that God created you. Yes. And you owe him your allegiance because he created you. He's God. That's right. And he's he's the one who created all things and controls all things. He's the one who providentially determines all the circumstances of life. It is God who who is in control. I like what Nicholas Allen said in his book on self-esteem. He said, God will let you sail, but you cannot control the weather. You have the freedom to make choices. God determines the outcome. Boy, that is a great statement. Yeah. Yeah. And we're, we're taught today that, you know, you can do what you want. You can control the weather, you know. Mm-hmm. I think I've, I mentioned that song, you know, I believe I can fly. <laughs> yeah. I believe it. I mean, that's that's kind of the, the, that idea that you can, 
you you can make yourself what you what you aren't through self-actualization you can control all the outcomes of your life and that's just i mean that that, that just sets people up for a complete misery because it never works that way no, ever it never does in reality no no in fact the bible the bible tells us that that's the miserable person it is it's a miserable person because you know cursed is the man who trusts in 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 flesh yeah you're cursed if you trust in flesh your own flesh you're cursed but blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly or stands in the way of sinners or sits in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. That's the blessed man, the, the man who trusts in God, not yeah. the man who trusts in man. Right. Man is not his own. His way is not his own. Jeremiah 10, 23, I know, O Yahweh, that a man's way is not in himself, nor is it in a man who walks to direct his steps, so he doesn't control his own destiny. Yeah, that is, that, that's such a great reminder. Yeah. The plans of the heart belong to man. Proverbs 16, 1 but the answer of the tongue is from Yahweh. So again, you know, you as a man, you you might make plans, but the answer of the tongue is from Yahweh. So yeah. Yahweh is the one who really decides how a, a man's plans yeah. work. <laughs> yeah. And then the the verse of all verses is that describe this is Genesis 50 verse 20 where Joseph is speaking to his brothers, and, and he says to them, As for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good, in order to do what has happened on this day to keep many people alive. And, uh, you know, all of their efforts ended up working out to God's perfect plan for Joseph, and Joseph understood that. Yeah. Which is just an amazing testimony when you, you read everything that Joseph went through. That, that he that he had that perspective, but it, it's the right perspective. It is, yes. And even though they intended to do him harm and evil, yet God worked all of that for for good, yeah, for His good, and, and for what God wanted to accomplish through that situation, which God always does. Yeah, and that's the testimony of Scripture that you just don't find in the Scripture that mindset where you just let it go, be who you are. That's not the goal, and you don't no. see that in Scripture. No. Never. You know, this isn't to, to deny, you know, idiosyncrasies with each of us and personalities and all that. Of course, God made each of us unique. I'm not denying that. But that it is God who is the one who is directing all things. Mm. Yes. And, and it, is, it is his purposes. So it's not about us trying to find ourselves, as it were. No. Uh, but rather trying to discover what God's will is for himself, what his purpose is. That's the testimony of Scripture. It is to be faithful yes. to to what He's doing, mm-hmm. and to obey Him. So, and that's you know Romans twelve two. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, so that you may approve what the will of God is. <laughs> not my will, right? It's the will of God. Uh, yeah, it's the Word of God that becomes the source of the will of God. Yes, and and this is what we are to pursue. It is to pursue his word. Matthew 4, 4, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. This is what we're here to do, to find the, the wisdom that is not of this world, but it is to eat from the sources of wisdom 
that is found only in God. Yeah, and, only, and to desire that. Yeah. And really to desire that. I mean, you know, we, we talked about it earlier, but I was talking about Proverbs, um, where it says that wisdom comes from the Lord. He's the source of knowledge and instruction, and that he gives. You know, you think of James, if anyone lacks wisdom, let him ask yeah. of myself. Right. <laughs> right. No, let him ask well, of God. what do you God. feel? What do you feel? Exactly. How do you feel Go about with your this? God. Yes. Yeah. But let him ask of God who yeah. gives generously to, to all men who yeah. ask. Yeah. Yeah, because it's all, that's the only source of all wisdom, because all truth is God's truth. It's so, it, it, it sourced from him alone. Yes. And that's, that's kind of ironic that I say that, because that phrase is used to ramrod psychology into Christianity. Right. All truth right. is God's truth. Which is a true statement, but it doesn't mean that your truth is God's truth. That's and right. And that's the problem. That is the problem. Yeah. And then, you know, we're created in, in the image of God. This, it's important we understand how we are made up. It is about Him. We are not our own, and we are created in His image. We are created to reflect God. We reflect His character. We, we reflect Him in our relationship with each other. Mm-hmm. We, we are created to worship Him, not ourselves. Yes. We've been given intellectual abilities, so they, and everybody has to some degree or another, so that they grow in, in understanding. We are created with a will. We are created with emotions. Uh, and, the, and the question we need to be pursuing, you know, seeking is, well, how, how is it that God created us and for what purpose? It's for His purpose. And if we are seeking to understand or to find function outside of how we are created, that's in rebellion against God. And Nicholas Ellen said in his book, what a person thinks of himself or herself is not as important as what he or she is commanded to think of himself or herself. And that, of course, is the, the opposite of this whole discussion in, in the self-esteem. Yeah, it really is. Because I mean, you just think about we're reflect we're we're designed to bring honor and glory to God, yeah. and that means that everything that we do, whether it's in our thinking, in our actions, our emotions, all is to reflect God and glorify Him. And if you think about it, that, just takes the attention off of me. I can, I'm not the center of the world. God is the center, and He needs to be the center of my yeah. world, not not me. Yeah. Because the moment that I start making life about me and how I feel and the way you know I want to do things, really, I'm elevating myself above God, and I'm saying I am more important than God here. Yeah. And, and I want you know the things that I want to do are more important than the things God wants me to do. Yeah. Yeah. So it's not so much what you think about yourself; it's what you're commanded to think about yourself. It's, it's what you're commanded to think that is true. The whole of this is all about God. Again, you know, he, he's the, the purpose of it all and our call to submit to him. So we're created in his image. We're created with a mind. We've talked about that when we did the, the Mind versus the Brain podcast, which I'd recommend that all of our listeners go back. If they haven't listened to that one, listen to that podcast. I think it's foundational in this discussion you know, what is the difference between the mind and the brain? So it's super important to have that distinction. But uh, the mind is the in, in, inner man. It's the immaterial part mm-hmm. of man. 
It's and there's all kinds of scripture verses that say that the mind is the source of our desires and where where our fallenness begins out of the heart proceeds all of all all of the issues of life and so that's where you know the the flesh and the mind is constantly wanting to exalt itself and that's this you know if you if you're trusting those in inclinations those natural inclinations well it's you know, Ephesians two three says we are by nature children of wrath. Yes, and so those are part of the fallen nature. Man, they're going to lead you astray. Yes, and yeah. it's a spirit that's working in the sons of disobedience that yeah. that immediately makes you disobedient if you're going to live by those desires and those those yeah. lusts. So that desire to let it go is driven by a rebellion against the God who made you. I mean that's that's what the Bible describes who we are by nature, and and when we're trusting our heart, we're following those desires, and we're saying that that the source of our problems is our lack of our self esteem. What we're saying is that I need to follow those inclinations, which are the inclinations that are according to the to the the spirit that is now working the sons of disobedience. I mean that's going to lead you all kinds of problems. It is and disaster in your life. Yeah, you go back to what we talked about this last in, in our last conversation here, Proverbs three, five, and six. You know, trust in the Lord with all your heart, lean not on your own understanding. Oh, right, right, right. You know, it's it's you have two options in life. You can listen to the Lord or you can listen to yourself. And whenever we listen to ourselves, you can guarantee that, you know, if we're promoting what you know, my flesh wants or my flesh desires then you're just asking for trouble because you're leaning on the arm of man, not on the yeah. arm of God, and that's what you're trusting in. Romans 8, 5, 8 through 8 says, For those who are according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who are according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. For the mindset on the flesh is death. Yes. But the mindset on the Spirit is life and peace. So there's your, your you know, the choice that you need to make in your life. Because the mindset and the flesh is hostile toward God, for it does, for it does not subject itself to the law of God, for it's not even able to do so. There's all kinds of stuff. The Bible is very clear about what is actually wrong, and what is actually driving us by nature. And this all comes down to the fall of man. You know, the Adam and Eve sinned, and they fell. As a result, as a result, humanity fell into sin. And there's Romans five twelve just. Does one man, uh, through one man, sin entered into the world, and death through sin, and so death spread to all men because all sinned. This is the condition of man. Adam's sin caused mankind to come under the control of those those sinful impulses, under the, the, the spirit that works in the sons of disobedience, who at the very head is Satan himself. Yes. And, and the entire world is being used by Satan in order to manipulate you to live according to those fallen impulses. That's the war. Which is why you see in Romans 1 that they approve, <laughs> the world approves of those who also do that. Yeah. Yeah. You know, they, they, they live that way, and then they approve of those who also 
follow in line right. and you know toe the line. Yeah, First Peter four says that you know that when you don't act like they do, they think it's strange and they malign you. Yes, when you don't enter into the what, right. flood of dissipation, right? I think the dissipation, yeah. Yes. The, yeah. The the constant source stream of sin, and uh, you know that worldly kind of living. This is this is what our impulse the the impulses of a man is under the control of his fallen nature, and unless unless Christ comes, this is why you need you need the gospel. You know, God God created man. Man owes him their allegiance. Man rejected God. Adam fell with him. All men fell. And, and so now we're all under the condemnation, and that fall has infected us like a, like a poison in every fiber of our being. And, and so the answer is the gospel, right? This is the only hope. It's not self-esteem. It's not exalting yourself. It's not self-actualization. It is the gospel that Jesus Christ came, lived the perfect life. He died the death that, that, that we deserve, and he atoned for all who, who trust in him. We need to repent of our tendency toward self-esteem. Yeah, I mean, you're right. You know, everything... The Bible makes it clear that we need to be saved, and we need to be saved from ourselves, yeah, and from our own fleshliness and desire to live for self and exalt self. And that's what you have in Romans one, and then Romans six says that in Christ we are no longer enslaved to the old man, but we are enslaved. We are now enslaved to Christ. We yeah. are made slaves of Christ, and we belong to Him. And so He saves us from. Our, our sin, he saves us from our sinful selves, and he makes us new in him. Yeah. New creation. That's right. New people who no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised to life. Yeah, and it's, it's interesting because when you actually break it down, you discover that those who live the, for themselves, you know, are, are living in, in, a, in a living death. Uh, those who live for Christ are those who have uh, been raised to life, and you know that we, we. If you set your mind on the flesh, it is to die; on the spirit, it is to live. You know this this dichotomy between either either you live for yourself or you live for Christ. You live for fleshly things or you live for spiritual things, and this is very interesting because when it comes to what the world calls self-esteem, whether so-and-so has a low self-esteem, what they're saying is that, you know, you feel bad. Yes. You feel bad. Well, the Bible actually does talk about that. So there is a category, what the world calls self-esteem, that the Bible actually calls your conscience. And this is just so fascinating because this conscience because of who God is, because it's all about him, because he created us, this conscience is at work in every single person. And this whole self-esteem movement is proof of that, I think. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, totally, because, you know, if, if you're feeling bad about life, 
Maybe there's a good reason for that. Right. You know, that's right. Maybe it's because of the sinful condition in which which you are as a human being. Yeah. And, and you don't understand why you feel bad. Now you got Romans 2, 15. It says, in that they demonstrate the work of the law written in their hearts, their conscience bearing witness, and their thoughts alternately accusing or else defending them. That's self-esteem. That's the, the summary of, of what the world calls self-esteem right yes. there. Your low self-esteem is because your conscience is condemning you. And we can't have that. Right. And you're trying to counteract that by propping up your self-esteem, which only perpetuates the problem. It's a cycle that doesn't go anywhere to actually alleviate that guilt. Now, there are people who can have a seared conscience. You know, they, they for, for a while, they, they can shut down that voice, and they've learned how to control that to some degree. Genesis 4, when Cain is complaining to the Lord because of his, his offering that wasn't received, Genesis 4, verse 6, Yahweh said to Cain, why are you angry? And why is your countenance fallen? Why are you depressed? In verse 7, it says, If you do well, will not your countenance be lifted up? If you do not do well, sin is lying at the door, and its desire is for you, but you must rule over it. Isn't that interesting? That is. There's that whole thing right there. I mean, you, yeah. can, you can take care of it the right way, which would be to turn to God and you repent, in, in essence, here. And, and then do things the way God wants you or not. If you're going to continue to dwell on this and, and live here, then it's going to te- overtake you. Yeah. And that's what it did. Yeah, it did. It did. And it resulted in death. And this explains the so many people. Because they're not dealing with the issue that comes from the inner man, the issue that's in the heart. The reason why you're feeling bad to begin with is because your conscience is condemning you because you are sinning. And there, there is sin in your life, sin at the door of your heart. And the conscience is a God-given awareness of right and wrong. It is every single person is born with this. And since it is God-given, then the right and wrong is based on God's standard. This is so true, and it's such an effective way to evangelize, too, because when you get out there and you talk to people who want to deny that God exists, ask them, hey, would, it, would you mind if I were to punch you in the face right now and steal your wallet or whatever? And of course, they're going to be like, <laughs> no way. No. No, you can't I've, do that. I've actually done this before in what? Punch uh, someone in the face and no, run off with their No, backpack. I haven't done that. Uh, <laughs> maybe we should try it and see what happens. I, I can guess what would happen, actually. No, I've not done that. That's funny. No, but I've asked someone this question, or I've asked a few times, I've asked this question, and the answer is always the same that no, that's wrong. Well, how do you know that's wrong? Why mm-hmm. is that wrong? Yeah, what makes that wrong? What makes that wrong? There, there's something that is operating inside of you that you naturally know. If a person function, functions in a way that's not right, he or she can expect or experience the unpleasantness in the soul that comes from the conscience, uh, which is called conscious sorrow. If a person functions in a way that is right, he or she can expect or experience, expect to experience a pleasantness in the soul that comes from the conscience, 
called conscience joy. So this is what is going on. You are either experiencing conscience sorrow or you are experiencing conscious joy. And I would guess that a lot of times anxiety and depression uh, is rooted in conscious, conscious sorrow. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You, you would have to agree with that. I think, I think biblically, you know, I'm not going to say every time because I, I think there can be, you know, a biological component to depression. We've talked about that before. Yeah. But I, I would say most of the time, the majority of the time, it's, it's probably rooted in conscience sorrow. And David expressed that in what, Psalm 32? Yeah, 32. Yeah, In 32, where he's talking about, hey, this is the way I felt before I confessed my sin and repented of it. And it, it's all, it, it looks like, you know, David's talking about depression there and the way he's, he's, you know, dealing with life. And so, yeah, conscience sorrow. Yeah, he said, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. Yeah. yeah. And of course, there are biological things that can cause someone to feel bad. But I, I, I think, what was it, 90%? Do you remember the doctor that came to the biblical counseling? I think he said 90%. It was like 90% yes. are not biological. So, so only 10% of the time in, mm-hmm. in the cases that he's studied, or, or I don't know what study he cited where there are actual biological reasons for... For depression. For the depression. Yes. So that means 90% of the time it's because you're experiencing conscious sorrow. Yes. You're, you're not doing what you should be doing. You know, if you're a believer, you're not living the way you should be living. You're not doing what God wants you to do. You're not, you know, you're not serving or you're not living, you're not acting, you're not in the way that God wants you to live, think, and act, and you know it. Yeah. And if and even if even if in the moment you can't quite identify what it is, your conscience knows it. Yes, there's something that it knows, something that you've that you're doing or have done, and it is. And so what we're saying is that this conscious, it is this conscious joy and conscious sorrow that the world recognizes and it has attempted to re, to redefine into terms of high and low self esteem. Mm-hmm. That's what. They're acknowledging, and, and this is so interesting because they're acknowledging something that the Bible acknowledges. Uh, that's built into man. That's built into man. By God. Right, and and they're trying to solve the problem with this whole self-esteem movement. It It isn't... The joy or disturbances of the conscience is not something that can be manipulated. You can't fix it because it's a byproduct of your choices. You there, you can't take a drug and it's going to make it go away. No. Your choices are causing you to experience conscious joy or conscious sorrow. And again, Genesis 4-7, if you do well, will not your countenance be lifted up? If you do not do well, sin is lying at the door. And and this is this is what Romans... 2.15, they demonst- the unbelievers demonstrate the work of the law written in their hearts, their conscious bearing witness in their thoughts alternately accusing or else defending them. No, that's right. The verse above that, verse 14, you know, Gentiles do not have the law naturally do the things of the law. Yeah. So, so they know what's right. right. They, 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 they know, know what's wrong instinctively. You can't even explain that yes. in, in, in human terms. 
And again, you can have a seared conscience, you know. Yeah. And we're seeing that in our culture today. We yeah. see a lot of people that have just seared their conscience and said, I don't care what my conscience said. I'm going to live by my feelings. Yeah. Because if I, you know, <laughs> if I listen to my conscience, the alternative is that I'm going to, you know, feel a little anxiety here. Right. But if I live by my feelings, then, you know, life is good. Right. So, th- so then when there's this conscious sorrow because of this natural understanding of the law and that there is a, a lawgiver that you're sinning against, which, by the way, is fascinating because what it means is that the work of the gospel pre- preparation is, is done in everybody. When you go out and you share That's the gospel true. with someone, it's already yes. the, it's already at work in their life, and and this is this explains why people will sometimes get angry when you tell them that there is a God and that you will they will have to give them account for their sins. I've I've seen this. Yes, they they will get angry, um, or that they're morally accountable, or right, that they're they're, they're morally yeah. bankrupt. Yeah, because God says they're morally bankrupt. Then they get upset and angry. Yeah. And they don't want, but then they'll, then they'll go to therapy, and and therapy is all the self talk, with the goal of shutting up that voice that tells you that you've sinned. Yes, and that's what it is. So you you go to therapy and you keep going, you keep going, keep going in order to shut up that voice. You're searing your conscience. That's right, and, and you're you're undermining the mechanism that God has put in man. In order to drive them to the gospel, that's the objective, right? Of of, of therapy, you're you're making them twice the son of hell. Yes, which is fascinating because how many Christians are sending their kids to the therapist? How many Christians themselves are going and, to the and themselves going yes. to therapy? Yes, where they're not really getting helped. They're not getting help to you know live their lives in a way that's more honoring and glorifying to God. Instead, they're being told, yeah, you kind of, you know, indirectly, you need to, you know, you need to think better about yourself. Yeah. Which is the opposite of what they need to do. That's right. They need to recognize that they are sinful and are fallen, and they need to recognize that they, they will give an account to a holy God, and, and then they need to recognize their need for, for Christ, a Savior. And so all of this to say that the self-esteem movement is completely incompatible with a with the Bible in every way. It is absolutely the the only compatibility is that the the self-esteem recognizes what the Bible recognizes. They've just missed it's you know they've they've re-termed it, re-termed it, and misdiagnosed it, right? And misdiagnosed it. They said that all well, the problem isn't sin, right? You just have a low view of yourself. So, yeah, the secular self-esteem implies that each man, each person is the central focus of his own existence. That, that's completely antithetical to the Scripture. It is. Believing in yourself does not give you the power to do what you were not designed to do, and it fools you into thinking you can do whatever you want without consequences. That only perpetuates the problem. And when the main point of life is to improve yourself and your esteem, God is no longer at the center, and what you end up with is self-worship. And this is the essence of the self-esteem movement, the worship of self uh, and the rejection of a biblical worldview. Yes, and I become the center of life, not yeah. God. Yeah, again, that's all of Romans 1, isn't it? 
Yep. It seems like that's all, you know, Romans 1, 6, no, 17 through, or 18 through the end of the chapter. 17 through the end of the chapter, that's what Romans 1 is about, is self-worship. Yeah. You deny the gospel, and to worship self brings you under the wrath of God. It is the wrath of God, Romans 1, 18, like you were saying. The wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth, the truth. in unrighteousness. That's right. Suppress the truth about God. The, the truth about you, your sin. Isn't that what therapy does? Yes. That's exactly what The professional does. truth suppressors. That's right. Right. And instead of, you know, dying to self, you're loving self. I just find this so fascinating in how deceptive it is, how we can fall into these categories that sound so good. And, 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 it, and it, you know, you... <laughs> and then you, you you look at the scripture and it's like wow, the Bible the Bible knows exactly what it's talking about. You know that's just the problem though. It sounds so good yeah. because people have made it sound good. Yeah. You know we we don't want to talk about sin because that's a negative thing. But if we talk about you know self esteem, well that's you know we can fix that. We can't fix sin, but we right. can fix your self esteem. We can make right. you feel better. Right. In theory. Right. You know. Yeah. Interesting. All right. Well, this is this has been good. So, thanks, Dan. Thank you. Off we go. Off we go. Join us for our next podcast. That's right. Or you could join us for church on Sunday. Nine thirty a.m. is Sunday school. Ten thirty a.m. is church service. Six o'clock p.m. Sunday night. And we're in Visalia, California. So. If you're near Visalia, come join us. Otherwise, uh, just keep listening to our podcast. Peace out. Peace out.